I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. We've entered sultry late summer. Prime time for deadheading flowering plants and a spot of careful summer pruning. Things like wisteria, lavender and trained apples and pears will all benefit from a precision chop at this time to set them in good stead for next year. But of course the big joy of August is being able to enjoy the fruits and vegetables of our labour and as the harvests continue, sharing homegrown produce with friends and family at the dinner table always goes down a treat and allows for a certain amount of bragging rights. So with that in mind, on this week's episode of Gardening with the RHS, with me, Guy Barter, we're going to be boosting our flavour profiles with some wonderful and lesser-known herbs. We'll also be heading to the allotment to talk about what we can plant next in the spaces where we've cleared out early summer crops like peas, which means thinking about two clever but easy gardening techniques successional sowing and growing green manures. And we'll be learning about gardening for the senses, the title of Daily Telegraph and Gardens Illustrated writer Kendra Wilson's new book. But let's start with urban herbs. Self-proclaimed herb geek Andrew Perry has been honing his skills as a favourite grower for chefs and the food industry for the past 10 years. But since opening an online retail store in 2020, his fresh releases of potted wonders like pineapple mint, golden thyme and hot and spicy oregano have created excitement amongst home gardeners with a social media hype to match. Andy joined us to share his love for herbs with special flavours. I really see myself as being on a mission to encourage gardeners to grow beyond the basic varieties of herb. Sure, we're all familiar with rosemary, basil, thyme, coriander, but I really want to encourage people to build a foodie herb menu that actually reflects them. I think one of the amazing things about living where I do in a multicultural city like Birmingham is that everyone's got different food heritages and backgrounds. We're all different. We've all got different tastes. I love coriander, my wife really can't stand it. But I like to encourage people to build a herb garden that actually services their needs, that encourages them to build a herb garden that is a living menu for them. My name's Andy, I run Urban Herbs. We're a small business based in Midlands, UK, but our true home is online at our website 
which is urban-herbs.co.uk. We also welcome all of our customers to visit our social media, which is our community hub. It's our online village shop, if you like. So let's talk now about some wacky and fruity herbs. We realised a few years ago that more than half of the herbs that we sell end up going into cocktails. The reason for this is that so many of the beautiful varieties that we stock are what we affectionately describe as fun and fruity varieties. Varieties such as orange mint, blackcurrant sage, strawberry mint, lime mint. I want to share a story with you. At my wedding back in 2014, my wife and I actually combined strawberry mint and lime mint in the PIMS, which happened before the speeches. And we like to think that that combination works so well that that's one of the reasons why very few people can remember the speeches. The combination of the two flavours works so well together. And these fun and fruity varieties offer so many options in terms of making really interesting drinks, adding botanicals to homemade gin or a summer cocktail, but also dessert options. Varieties such as lemon verbena or even orange mint, berries and cream mint are really delicious chopped up on some ice cream. We're recording this on a very hot day and the idea of some berries and cream mint chopped up on ice cream sounds so good to me right now. Mint tends to be a really, really easy variety to grow and all of these fun and fruity mints are just as easy to grow. You might find that these mint plants grow a little bit too well, they spread a little bit too enthusiastically. It's a bit of a gardening cliche that you really should keep mint contained and it's not a particularly good idea to plant mint with other varieties because they are quite aggressive and they'll compete with those other varieties and mint usually wins that fight. That being said, if you have got a lot of space, you can plant mint in a really big flower bed. I guess it depends how much pims you're planning to drink. Before our wedding, we planted three lime mint plants in one raised bed and three strawberry mint plants in another raised bed. And I'm reliably informed that eight years on, those beds are still absolutely full of those plants and I like to think somebody else is enjoying them in pims too. If you don't have enough space to fill an entire raised bed with herbs for cocktails, you can really easily grow mint plants in pots. Just remember to keep them watered during very, very hot weather. And they're really fantastic, versatile plants that will enjoy growing in partial shade. They'll do okay in full sun. But these are really useful plants. Most varieties of mint actually prefer growing in partial shade. And that makes them really useful because there are a lot of spaces in the garden that don't get full sun. And you can make them productive spaces by filling them with these beautiful, fun, fruity mint. Let's talk now about some savoury herbs. I'm a big fan of savoury cooking. And I always say to people that one of my favourite varieties is a variety called hot and spicy oregano. Now, I do like spicy food. Within hot and spicy oregano, you do get that classic, musky, delicious oregano flavour, but it's actually combined with a delicious, spicy kick. And that makes it really perfect for adding to pasta dishes, to homemade fajitas. During the first lockdown of 2020, me and my wife were working so hard dispatching orders of plants. We were working kind of 16 hour days. 
And our evening meal was literally the only time that we sat down. And I will forever be grateful to Hot and Spicy Oregano for transforming that really functional 15-minute fuel-up meal into something really special that we shared back then. If you haven't met Barbecue Rosemary before, Barbecue Rosemary is a variety that's always coming in around second place for me. This is a variety of rosemary that contains the classic rosemary flavour, but it's combined with a subtle, smoky kick, which I absolutely adore. You can grow both the hot and spicy oregano and the barbecue rosemary in free draining conditions in full sun. They're both sun lovers. They're perfect for planting in a pot with that free draining potting mix. And I always encourage people to prune the herbs back regularly, taking the top third to encourage the herbs to bush out. But with these two varieties, they're so delicious that you're gonna be pruning them regularly anyway. I'm so evangelical about spreading the joy of growing and I would encourage anyone to get out there, get growing. Always focus on your successes in the garden. You're learning each time you put your hands in the soil. And never forget that when you plant something, you are creating an encouraging life. How magical is that? Thanks to Andy from Urban Herbs and take a look at his Instagram page at Urban Herbs UK as Andy shares loads of lovely tips and behind the scenes content. Andy mentions using lots of herbs in cocktails. I'm not a big fan of cocktails, but a handful of that strawberry mint in a nice soft drink down the allotment when I'm working in the blazing August heat, well, that does sound very tempting. Well, next week is National Allotments Week, and it got me thinking about the jobs I'll be looking at soon on my own plot. This time in August is a key transitional phase, but often a slightly overlooked one. As plants crop away merrily, some allotmenteers tend to rest on their laurels at this point and get a bit caught up in the marvelling of the size of their tomatoes with a cool drink in hand. But for me, the giveaway of a more seasoned gardener is one who spots the opportunity to extend the productive season by doing something called successional sowing. Now, some of your veg, for me it's the peas, might be coming to the end of their natural life right now. But instead of thinking, that's it for the year, it's worth knowing that if you're quick, you can get something else in the ground to replace it. So, successional sowing is literally sowing things for succession. When one thing finishes, you plant another. So, for me, it's the peas are finished, and I'm busy planting French beans, and they'll be successional to the peas, and there'll be a bit of a break, but the beans should be ready round about the end of September. A very nice bite when the runner beans are beginning to fade. And of course, the great benefit is you get two crops, or even more in some cases, from the same bit of land each year. So all the work you put into your little plot gives double the benefit. The kind of crops that we can sow now include things like baby roots, baby beetroot, baby carrots, for example, lettuces, endives, radishes, spinach and chicory. These are all grow quickly, produce really tasty produce. And the nice thing is that as the autumn air begins to creep in with the cooler nights, their flavour is actually improved compared with the heat-stressed plants of the summer. So you're getting more produce and good stuff too. Some plants are prone to bolting. That means they run to seed prematurely. Rocket and spinach do that. So 
it's really important to sow a succession of them and don't sow a 10 metre row because it'll all go to seed before you can do it. But a two metre rows is just right. You can clear a two metre row and there won't be any waste. Typically, you make a successional sowing either when the previous crop finishes or when the crop that you're, you're aiming for succession gets to about two inches, that's five centimetres tall. And you can go on doing this right the way through to the end of August. In September, it's getting a bit late. And in Scotland, you might have to think about bringing your successional sowing to an end by the middle of the month. Tough vegetables to sow in cooler regions include things like Asian radishes and turnips. These are brassicas and they're really hardy and they can go on growing right the way through into winter. So even though it's, the conditions are too cold for many other things, these hardy crops will bring you some tasty young produce at a very welcome time of year. And it's not just for people with allotments or big gardens who can do successional sowing. Even if you've just got some planters, you can clear the planter and replant those at this season now. Or you can steal a march by growing some things in modules or cell trays so that when the planter is ready to clear, you can have young plants ready to go straight in. So successional sowing is for everybody and it's a key thing, especially for people in cities, because in cities you've got the heat island effect, so things grow better and for longer into autumn than they do out in the countryside. So get successional sowing. I've certainly got very ambitious plans for my successional sowing, so we'll see how it all comes out. On to green manures. Successional sowing can obviously be a bit labour intensive and there's no need to grow more crops if you can't keep up with eating them. Well, now is also a great time to sow green manures. Green manures are simply a crop that covers the soil and is grown to make the soil better to increase fertility. So now a green manure covers the ground over the winter when there's a limited range of other things that you can grow in the off season. So while you're indoors keeping warm, your green manure is out there improving the soil. And it does a number of things. It sucks up the nutrients that are in the soil so they're not lost over winter. That cuts down the need of fertiliser. It adds a modicum of organic matter to the soil, which feeds the soil life that contribute to fertility. And it protects the soil from heavy rain and frost that can damage the soil. And there's a lot of research to show that green manures covering the ground are much better for wildlife than leaving the soil bare. Well, green manures are simple things. They're not expensive. Mustard is one that's commonly grown. And there's a special kind of mustard, because it's kind of biofumigant mustard that you chop up and you incorporate into the soil and it releases gases that kill harmful organisms. Clovers, on the other hand, suck nitrogen out of the air through their nitrogen-fixing nodules on their roots. They don't do a lot over winter, but they do a lot in the spring. So if you're going to be growing sweet corn, say, a preceding crop of clover will capture a useful amount of nitrogen during April before you sow or plant the sweet corn in May. Another green manure that's really popular is Phacelia. So now it will certainly flower a lot in the spring. So you can feed up the insects and then consign the green manure, probably in this case, to the compost heap and the soil will be ready to plant immediately afterwards. So whether you're successional sowing or jumping straight to green manure, Give it a go and don't leave your soil bare through the autumn into winter. And if you're down at the allotment this week or looking to start growing, get involved in the National Allotments Week events happening across the country. The theme this year is Bugs, Bees and Broccoli, acknowledging gardening with nature in mind. Something we're pretty keen on at the RHS too. Search for the National Allotment Society to find out more.
Well, from delighting the taste buds with delicious herbs and successionally grown veg, to gardening with all the senses in mind, in her new book, garden writer Kendra Wilson aims to share how, with clever planning, a garden can soothe your mind and awaken your soul. I'm Kendra Wilson. I am a garden journalist and also an author of garden books, including Garden for the Senses. I wanted to write this book on the senses that we experience in while gardening because people I find, and when they ask me questions or when I look at the gardening bookshelves, people are obviously hung up on the difficulties around gardening and they feel that they're wrestling with nature and they're trying to turn their outside space into something which is a bit more human and less wild and potentially scary. And they're very happy to go and buy plastic topiary balls to hang up as decoration or to buy rugs or to buy lamps and to put down plastic grass, anything to make it look a bit more like home. When in fact, it's much cheaper and easier just to go out and look and listen and use your senses, which will make you be part of the garden taking the time to look at your plants and see what's happening, you will then be surprised at how much you hear. Every chapter in the book comes with a short list of plant profiles to help people decide what plants to grow. For instance, in my new garden in Oxford, I want to plant it for the senses. So each plant, I'm going to look at it before planting it and decide if it appeals to more than two senses because it's much more enjoyable and interesting to have something which is either really colourful or is pulling in the pollinators or both. So the sound profiles, which I did, were by far the most difficult because plants aren't especially noisy. Birds are, animals are, insects are. The sound of people over the garden wall or hedge enjoying themselves. These are all pleasant garden sounds, but it's quite rare that you hear plants making noises. And they do, in the case of everlasting sweet pea, they release their seed with a kind of crack. It just, it just catapults out when it's ready. And so if you have one everlasting sweet pea plant, you're soon going to have quite a few because they shoot out all over the garden. That's one noisy plant. And you can hear it on a still day. You can just hear this crack, 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 and you don't know what it is, and then you realise it's a plant. And honesty is a really good plant to have in any sort of garden because it brings in early pollen and early colour. It comes in white or purple, but the purple varieties are really good, sort of mauve purple with these glaucous green purple buds when they're developing which accompany the spring flowers really well. They're very good in the colour spectrum of spring. And then when they've finished flowering, you have these papery cases, which are great to leave in place, and they, they make those 
papery noises and including in, in uh, those flower arrangements which seem quite grannyish but are back in vogue having dried flowers. The fig is the most incredible plant for mammals whether you're here or you're in, on holiday in, say, the Balearic Islands, you always hear rustling under figs because they just attract so many, up to a thousand mammals, apparently, are attracted to figs. So the insects eat the fruit off the ground, the birds eat the fruit off the trees, the leaves will attract insects to breed in. There's a lovely smell. You can pick them so easily and just put them straight in your mouth, which is part of the pleasure of growing for the senses, is eating immediately. And the, again, the colour, that kind of glaucous, purpley, green colour, which goes with everything, and the leaves are extremely decorative and beautifully structured. So I would say definitely get a fig, that would be my top of my list. The sounds which make me really happy are when the garden comes alive in spring and you notice a bumblebee appearing for the first time and obviously you see it because of the way they bumble around but they do make an unusually loud noise the sound will lead you to the sight of it and you see it crawling all over a flower like a dandelion which you might not even have noticed and you might have felt inclined to pull out if you hadn't seen how useful it was to bumblebees and then when you learn a bit more about bumblebees, you realise that they're incredibly good pollinators and possibly even more effective than honeybees because they go from flower to flower in an esoteric fashion without ploughing through a plant and then ploughing through the next one. They just take pollen hither and thither. And they're very nice to encourage in a garden. They live underground, they live in holes. A lot of the creatures which we need to encourage are not benefited by our desire for tidiness. In spring, when you hear the chiff-chaff, it's a very happy-making sound because it's, it really is a confirmation that spring is here. It's a very clear, ringing note. People think of gardening as a chore, unfortunately, but once you get past that idea that it's actually enjoyable to do some weeding and watering, walking around with a watering can, going back and forth from the bowser or a slow a hose on a low setting is a very enjoyable way of obviously invigorating your plants but seeing what's happening as so you're going around to every single bit. So I'd say watering I absolutely love and pottering about but also moving pots. So say if you grow lilies and they're just coming into their own, you need to move them so they're close to the house or where you sit so you can watch the full development because they look brilliant when they're in bud as well. And then as soon as they start to die, they look a bit puter, they die really quite badly. So you wheel them out of the way and wheel in the agapanthus, which mine are just coming into bud. And so you can have a sort of mobile garden. And that also enhances the scent. Lily, as we know, is a very strong scent. Taking the time to look at your plants and see what's happening, you will then be surprised at how much you hear. Thanks to Kendra Wilson. 
And it's fantastic to hear another advocate talking about gardening's hugely beneficial impact on the mind and well-being. Like Gareth and Liz's conversation about the Vitamin G Garden at RHS Flower Show Tatton Park in last week's episode, I think it's great that there's now strong scientific backing and toolkits we can use to spread the word about this more widely. And on that note, I think it's time for me to turn the microphone off and head to the garden, for no other reason than to relax and soak it all in. I'll see you there. From me, Guy Barter, thanks for listening. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.